Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about why brain freeze happens and how to fix it, how neural networks have advanced beyond our understanding, and why spaced repetition is a great technique for learning a new skill, like speaking a foreign language. We originally ran these stories on August 29th, 2018, and they're so good we remastered them just for you. Plus, stick around for a brand new recap segment at the end of today's episode to hear our fresh takes on all of today's stories. But right now, let's satisfy some curiosity. Ice cream is delicious, but brain freeze is not. Brain freeze is that throbbing pain you get when you eat an icy treat, and there's an actual scientific term for it. More importantly, there's a way to stop it. Ashley, does this happen to you? Of course. Yeah. Really? I don't experience it a lot. Really? Maybe I just don't eat it quickly or... Oh, I, I kind of... Cons- I'm ravenous. <laughs> so now you know more about me than you needed to. Or maybe I'm unconsciously doing the trick that you're about to learn about. Maybe. The scientific term for brain freeze is, ready for it? Sphenopalatine ganglion neuralgia. Rolls right off the tongue, doesn't it? It's named after a bundle of nerves near the back of your mouth, which is the reason we have to deal with brain freeze. When something ice cold comes into contact with your soft palate, it touches that group of nerves, also called SPG. It's sensitive to changes in temperature, so when you eat an icy treat, you get a headache. But to be fair to your SPG, the brain freeze is actually a biological reaction to keep your brain at the right temperature. The SPG is right next to a couple pretty important arteries, like the one that feeds blood to your brain. And when you eat or drink something really hot or cold, the temperature shock causes those arteries to rapidly expand and contract. That triggers your SPG and sends a message to your brain through the trigeminal nerve to let it know that you're experiencing pain. Now, at the end of the day, the SPG is there to help protect the brain from slipping out of its optimal state, but it can handle the shock for a little while. If you can deal with the brain freeze, then go to town on that pint of Ben and Jerry's. But here's a tip. The best way to treat brain freeze once you have it is to press your tongue or thumb on the roof of your mouth. The heat from your tongue or thumb will warm up the SPG pretty quickly, which then tells the brain to stop the pain response. You can also cover your mouth and nose and breathe into your hands to circulate warm air, which can also raise the temperature of your soft palate. And if you want to avoid brain freeze in the first place, then just try eating the cold food near the front of your mouth away from the SPG. Or enjoy it more slowly, Ashley, to give your your palate time to adjust. Now I really want a milkshake. Me too. Artificial intelligence is getting smarter and better every day, so you should probably be familiar with neural networks. Those are the complex systems of electronic neurons that power everything from lab experiments to your phone's facial recognition software. They can learn things on their own, and like I said, they are very smart. Well, they're so smart that they've actually advanced beyond our understanding. Kind of scary, right? So today we're going to take a look at where the technology is and where it might be headed. If you give a bunch of data to a neural network, it'll eventually figure out how to identify pictures or find distant galaxies. But after the first step and before the last step, AI engineers don't actually know what happens. Neural networks are a mystery just like human brains. That's because they don't work the way computers work. A neural network is built out of artificial neurons, which can fire in response to certain features in the data they're fed. Let's say you give a neural network millions of pictures of dogs. 
Those neurons are arranged in layers, and those each process more and more abstract details, from the broad outline of the pup in the first layer, for instance, to the colors of its fur and the shape of its eyes in later layers. And then the network eventually comes up with a final product, like the dog's breed. A neural network isn't very good at this right away, but it gets to compare its work with the right answers, and it eventually learns where it went wrong. Only we don't see the improvement. We just see the results. So when a neural network screws up, engineers don't know exactly why. Maybe it's a little fluke, or maybe it's a huge programming flaw. Shrug. Oh, and the networks sometimes come up with stuff they aren't programmed to do at all. One time, an AI that was trained to recognize objects started to recognize human faces. And another time, two bots trained to negotiate with each other came up with their own language. We're not trying to freak you out, so don't worry. Skynet isn't here quite yet. Right now, engineers are working on new networks that are more transparent in their decision-making. Some are having the networks explain their decisions to humans, and others are using multiple AIs, with one doing a task and the other just interpreting the reasoning of the first. So there's hope for the future. But yeah, the future is kind of already here. Pretty advanced. I'm just waiting for a Commander Data's emotion chip. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) When you were in music school, were you ever told if you practice 30 minutes a day, seven days a week, that's much more effective than practicing four hours a day on a Saturday? Yeah, that's that was generally something that people said. Yeah. Okay, I learned that in a couple different classes growing up, but I'm not sure how commonplace it is. But today we've covered some research that kind of bears that out in terms of learning a new language. Research shows that spaced repetition is a great study technique for learning a new language. This idea came from German psychologist Hermann Ebbinghaus more than 100 years ago, and a 2013 study published in Frontiers in Human Neuroscience showed some real benefits. It showed that spaced repetition stores information in your long-term memory in a matter of minutes, where rapid repetition did not. Here's how you do it. First, make flashcards with your vocabulary words, either digitally or by hand. Then review your cards once a day. Every time you get a card wrong, put it in a section of cards you need to review frequently. When you get a card right, put it in a section for cards you need to review less frequently. You can even score each card for how well you remembered it and place it in a scale from 0 to 5, where 0 means you should review it tomorrow and 5 means you can wait to review it until next month because you know it so well. Follow your schedule and adjust as needed. You could use this for all sorts of things. You could do it for SAT words. You could do it for musical scales. Anything you need to remember over a long term. Yeah, space it out. Always better than cramming. Definitely. Hey, we're back in 2022 where we have better recording setups and not a terrible HVAC machine to deal with that I really hope you didn't hear in your speakers. But I'm an audiophile, so I totally did. It's fine. Moving on. Let's do a quick recap of what we learned today, Ashley. Well, we learned that brain freeze happens because when something ice cold touches your soft palate, it touches nerves that are right next to important arteries, including one that feeds blood to your brain. When you eat or drink something really hot or cold, that temperature shock makes those arteries rapidly expand and contract, and your brain gets a message that you're experiencing pain. The best way to stop brain freeze is to press your tongue or thumb to the roof of your mouth to normalize the temperature, and that should stop your brain's pain response. For me, I'll slightly open my mouth and then breathe in warm air, right? Kind of kind of thing. I sound like Darth Vader there. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Just do your best Darth Vader impersonation. A Darth Vader impression a day keeps the brain freeze away. It does. It does. Yeah. We also learned that neural networks have actually advanced beyond our understanding. There are complex systems of electronic quote-unquote neurons that power everything from lab experiments to your phone's facial recognition software. And they kind of teach themselves how to do things over time. But we only see what they've learned, not how they've learned it. Now, we talked to experts on Curiosity Daily last year about why you probably shouldn't fear AI and robots. So this isn't necessarily a scary thing. It's just really weird. The future is here. And if you want to hear those interviews, you can go back into our archive and search for computer scientist Michael Wooldridge, who talked to us about AI, or Ruth Aylett, who talked to us about robots. And I didn't catch this until after we ran the interview with Ruth. But Ashley, fun fact, Michael Wooldridge wrote one of the blurbs on the back of the new robot book that Ruth co-authored. It's all connected. It is all connected. That's great. Very small world. Very good expert robot and AI people. And yeah, nothing to be afraid of. Nothing to be afraid of. I think one of the coolest things about AI research is that it's actually assisting neuroscience research. Like we don't know everything about the brain, so you can't really expect people to be able to make a robot brain, right? Because we don't. We can't make a human brain. We can't make a robot brain because we don't know enough about a human brain. But sometimes AI brains or neural networks will do things that will actually shed light on how the human brain works. And so neuroscientists and AI researchers work together a lot to kind of share knowledge. And I think that's super cool. That is rad. Yeah. And we learned that spaced repetition is a great study technique. To DIY your own spaced repetition study system, first make flashcards, then review them every day, and sort them into piles based on how well you remember what you're trying to memorize from each one. You can review the ones you remember the least every day and study the ones you're more comfortable with less frequently. That way, you'll be focusing more on the things that need the most work. Good advice near the start of the year with school starting back up, plus all those New Year's resolutions to learn a new language, which... <laughs> What day is it? Yeah, probably a lot of those have failed by now, but maybe this will motivate you to try again. And actually, from personal experience, I can tell you that there are apps for this. There are apps. I would definitely check out an app called Anki, A-N-K-I. There is a desktop version and a mobile version, and it just does this for you automatically. You make the flashcards in the app, and then you tell it how well you remembered every flashcard, and it keeps track. So as long as you open up the app every day and you review every day, it'll show you what you need to see. I've been doing this to memorize jazz tunes, which, as I talk to other musicians, that's a really weird way to memorize them, but it's working so well for me. Like, I have vastly increased the number of tunes that I know by heart, and it's been great. And Anki is the Japanese word for memorization. So there are a few different Anki apps but we'll link to the one that Ashley uses in today's show notes. Definitely. If you want to pick that up, it's this is not sponsored by any means. But if you work at Anki and you want to pay either of us for this, that's fine. <laughs> uh, and I also want to note, we also made a joke about New Year's resolutions. And hey, I know it's we're well into January right now. 
But we've done research in the past about how a lot of people see things as all or nothing, right? Like if, if you're like on a, on a new diet or something or a new routine and you go like nine days, and then you miss a day, then you, just the whole thing falls apart, right? And you just stop. You stop trying. Well, uh, get back up on that horse, you know? Maybe you did language learning for like four days and then you stopped for a couple days. Don't let that stop you. There are still 300 do the math days left where you could pick it up and, you know, resume where you left off. So don't let breaking the streak break your habit. There you go. Pro tip. You can find more of the actual research on our website or our podcast feed or somewhere. We've, we've done a lot of episodes, more than a thousand. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> Today's writers were Trevor English, Ashley Hamer, and Joni Folletto. Curiosity Daily is distributed by Discovery. Join us. Join us again Oh, sorry, I just got brain freeze for a second. <laughs> Only my thoughts froze because I couldn't, I didn't know what to say. Join us again next time to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. 